Welcome, BBCs, to episode one of Nathan's Mailbag. Back to square one. We're back to square one. We've started basically the channel again, uh, but obviously this is a familiar face, you know, a familiar segment, the, the, the Nathan's Mailbag. And we don't wash our clothes, obviously. Why is that? I mean, you were in the same thing as you didn't from, from the last episode a few days ago. That's right. BBC That's came right. Out. <laughs> because we definitely don't record this in one session. All right. So, um, before we talk about uh, or roast my hygiene levels, uh, let's get started. So, we're going to try and get a bit more questions in than usual in this. You know, now we've got a separate episode for this, and hopefully, this sort of can take a life of its own yeah. you know, over the time. I mean, again, talking about the last episode, we talked about the new the new era of the broken by concept um, era. Content. The new era of the content, yeah. <laughs> the new era of the era. The new era of the era. Uh, <laughs> we uh, send in the questions. Um, we- Ab- Abuse it. Abuse the system, guys. Come we on. can abuse the system because we're going to- Because before we literally couldn't get all the questions in. Like yeah. a, lo- a lot of people would email saying, you know, my question didn't get answered. Like, did you miss it? Like sometimes I just, you know, there's other better questions maybe or like we're going to really try and just answer them all. Because yeah. again, the questions <laughs> that you guys write in are just fantastic. Love these questions. You know, we always say we have the highest quality community and it's- a huge part is because of the Nathan's bell bag and just, you know, seeing what you guys um, ask him, how you guys are experiencing the solo queue journey. First one here comes from David. The title of his email is how do you regain motivation? Motivation is obviously a big one, hot topic. If you need motivation, listen to David Goggins. who's actually told you motivation is bullshit actually. And he will uh, put you into, into check real quick. All right. Uh, hello, I'm Coach Dom, and I'm a full-time collegiate esports coach. So, League of Legends and esports in general is my whole life. We can relate to that, can't yep. we, Curtis? Um, though I center my life around league, I find it hard to put in the time and effort that I used to put in when I was in high school and college. I was diamond from season five until season nine consistently. And over the past three seasons, I found it hard to push myself to get in even over 300 games a season. What ways do you guys keep yourself motivated even after so many years of playing the game at a high level? Thanks, guys. It's a great question. It is a good question. Um, Well, I think it is important to kind of have, I guess, have a sense of like pride in your rank. Like, I don't want, I think when you connect with, like for me, and this may, this is just, again, this may not be the most healthy approach. This is just me, what works for me. I don't view for me a rank as um, like a kind of like, like a a fancy little badge. For me, it's kind of like, it's like I put in this work and it means something to me. It shows that I am of a certain caliber and I'm proud of the coach I can be. If I'm a coach that can get this rank, it, it just makes me feel proud. It, it's like a, it's proving that I understand the game at a certain level. I have a feel for the game. I've, I, I'm keeping my finger on the pulse of, of, of the game as it changes. Poor Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee's. Falling over. Buddy L. Bruce. Where's your core? Core strength. Um, yeah. So... <laughs> It really interrupted you by Bruce. Um, so yeah, I have a sense of, I guess, pride in my rank. So that actually is where my motive, a lot of my motivation comes from. Like if I didn't take rank seriously, like it wasn't something that was really important to me, I'm not going to take the time out of my day, my busy schedule to put in a three block. Do you think I want to spend three hours a day sitting in queue, queues, ILO queues 
slogging away. Well, it's, there's many other things I could be doing with my time, but I genuinely value it's something that is important to me, both at a personal level and, um, and obviously, yeah, at a very deeply personal level. And, and I think it's important for my craft as a coach. So that's first. I would say first thing. Uh, do you have anything to, before I take over the show? What about you, Nathan? Uh, I was just going to go <clears throat> back to you talking about, I mean, you've been, I mean, you're the perfect one being challenger for like, there's very few people who have been challenger. Uh, for every season since season four, there is very few people, you know, and you've had many different over that time, you know, you've had different troughs in your career. You weren't always a coach. You were a player. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously being a player, obviously challenger, but even then, you know, players can disrespect all of you easily. But yeah. you, every year it's like, I'm a player. You are still challenger. Mm-hmm. I'm, uh, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm a coach now, you know, I could be watching VOD and stuff like that, but still I got to get challenger. And then now obviously you are doing, you know, this whole key coaching and I get a challenger. And yeah, I mean, how, how, like, how do you, like, do you, did you never have periods at any time of those years where you think maybe this year I'll, I'll like, okay, I got some other priorities. You just, you always manage to find it as a priority, even though well, you're scared. My philosophy in life in general is if something is important to you, you'll find a way. Like you'll find a way to get it done. Like if you aren't finding the motivation to do something, it's probably not important to you. Um, so yeah, for me, it's just important. I, I view it as like, a, it's like a kind of like a, a fundamental in my eyes of being a good quality coach is that you need to be of a certain caliber. That's my own personal standard for Dom here. Like, you know, it's important that you have your own personal standard. It might just be diamond four, right? Whatever your personal standard is, it could be master, it could be D one, could be D four, but it's good to set a benchmark. It's like, cause if you don't set a benchmark, how do you know if you're deteriorating or not? You know, like if I can't main, if I can't get challenger again, it's a very obvious indicator in my mind that I'm, I'm just not with the times. I'm not, You're I'm not up to scratch. Away. I'm falling. I'm, I'm, di- I'm diminishing, you know, I don't want to be like that. I want to, it, it's a way of, I guess it's a self-regulating aspect as well. It's like, I can, can keep myself accountable. And, um, and I would say as well, it forces me to really think about the game as well. Like it forces me to, to really think deeply about the game and make sure I'm not a fraud. <laughs> like quite honestly, and this is again, something very personal is that obviously I charge money for my service uh, in the Midland Academy as a coach. And um, my personality is that I want to deliver the best possible service. And for me, if I don't feel like I am um, both understanding the game at a deep level and feeling the game and got a constant, again, my finger on the pulse of the meta, I just don't feel like I can give the best advice. I give the best advice when I am, Again, in these games, feeling what these champions feel like, I could empathize with the player. And the same thing actually applied to me, by the way, when I was a coach back in 2017, 2018. This is when you were an esports team. When I was an esports coach, when I was coaching at the pro level, I coached my best league when I felt the most confident as a player, when I could understand what these guys were going through. And obviously I'm not going to be perfect. I don't, I don't have to be the rank one player or anything like that. But for me personally, it, it did make me a better coach. So um, these are just, again, things that motivate me. It's like, and, and for me, it's actually not even a question of motivation. Dead serious. I don't, I never think of it as, do I have to it's do it? It's just your identity. It's my, it's, yeah. it's literally at an identity level and mm. there is no choice. Mm. That's why I, I meme, I say this as a joke to Nathan and, and people close to me that like, if I don't get challenger, it's like, I want to give up. Like, Bye. Like I'm not coming. Yeah, Curtis, well, he will be gone. You gone. Him Goodbye, Emily Academy. Like yeah. it's that. It's that important to me. At like at a personal level, like I have to. It's there is no negotiation, zero negotiation. And yeah. you'll find a way. I no will find what. a way, no matter what. 
it's, you know, if something's important to you, you'll find a way. Mm. So I, I think, Dom, you got to find what that is for you. What What is that number? What is that rank that gets you excited, that you can really connect with, that that you feel at a tangible level levels you up as a coach? You got to find what that is, depending mm. on your role and your situation. Mm. And obviously, not everyone's going to have the same time. You know, everyone has time constraints. You got to figure out what that is. It has to be somewhat manageable. Um, but put the pressure on yourself. It's good to have a bit of pressure, a bit of fire up your ass. Uh, so for me, I'm the same thing for identity level, uh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Again, this is maybe like, I'm just, I always, the moment I started playing PVP and would have walked off, you know, back when I was like a 12, 13 year old kid getting gladiator, I was, my identity became, I'm going to be good at any game that I play. Then I moved to Guild Wars. I was one of the top players there. That game died very quickly. And then I went to league and then I was able to get rank two, um, challenger in season three when the O service came out in literally like a couple of months of me playing, like taking that game very seriously. Right. And then the funny thing is, is that, okay, then, you know, the last, the next two seasons after that, I was challenged, I was a pro player. And then obviously I became the founder of Dials and I stopped playing the game for three, four years. I had different priorities. I would have loved to play the game, but I just didn't find the time with like the managing the business and all that. Um, and then, and then for me, the last three years has just been trying to get not to my old level because I feel like I'm a much better player, but I want to, I need to get back to that identity of like, yeah. you're good at games, Nathan. That's your identity. That identity. So I've, I would never have, and I'm not even close. Like my perception, I want to be, I've always wanted to be rank one in League of Legends. I never was able to achieve it in my glory days. I was only rank two was my highest. Um, you know, I've, I peaked at 1200 LP back in season five and I've never, got, you know, I, I never got rank one and that's always something I, I, I could take me another 30 years. I'll never lose motivation. Honestly, I really want that. So it's at a similar level. It's an identity level. It's an identity level. But do you, you don't, you're the same, right? You don't really feel a, 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 either motivated or unmotivated. It's always just there. Yeah. It's, it's just, just there. like, it's just it's what like, you do. This is what I'm, this is what I'm chasing. It's like when you go to the gym for a long time, you don't, there's no question if you go to the gym, you just do it. That's right. It's like, there is no, it's an obligation. Like mm. <laughs> I signed that contract to myself long ago. That's what I do. The, the concern here that I think maybe he's not telling us, he is a, coach in the North American scene and there we talked about this many times is that uh, solo queue has a stigma of not yeah. being valuable mm. right so if you don't view something as valuable to while you know you're not going to do it like this it sounds like David wants it to be it's like he talks about as a second hobby but the way you talked about your challenge you actually think it gets better at your craft as a coach as well so I feel that David he's uh, lost he, uh, that he's lost that he, connection yeah. between being better at solo queue helping him become a better coach there's just not the respect for solo queue there um which is a very big stigma. I, I'm not. I'm just. I'm just assuming here because again, he's a college coach in yeah. the North America scene. So that's. I've heard and that all we've the time. Seen, we've worked. Both of us work with college players in NA at the moment. Yeah, and uh, solo queue is not something they really emphasize. It's about scrims, it's about, about scrims. Sort of stuff. Yeah. So. Um, you know, we're the Solo Q Motivation Podcast, you know, we're the Solo Q Improvement Podcast, David. We love Solo Q. We, we have a very deep respect and, for the craft of Solo Q. And imagine the precedent concept. that would set if the players under you saw you taking your Solo Q seriously. Just, mm. just think about that. Mm. Imagine if you're in the office with everyone else and they see you playing Solo Q, doing a three block. And they say, what are you doing, dude? What are you still doing here? Mm. Doing a three block. Mm. You know, and they, and they say that you're actually taking your solo queue seriously. Like, you're, and you're talking about the game. You're like talking about them. Like, oh, this is what I've been feeling in my games. What do you guys think about this? Like, that gets people excited. You yeah. know, my, and it's so funny. In 2017, I was uh, 1,000 LP as a coach, right? And I was high LP than most of the pro players in the league at the time. And that it was a fire up the, you put a fire up the players' ass. It's like, and it was also intimidating I, I for actually, the other players. I would, bully my players. Yeah. This is not really the most healthy way, but I would bully my players saying, 
you're low elo, then your courage. Get your shit together. Mm. Like, like you don't have to get to that extent, but it's like it's just an intensity thing. It's a mindset, you know. Do you want to get trained do, as a, as a player? Do you want to get trained by someone that doesn't take all of you seriously and doesn't have a respect for the for that game, like that competitive element? No, you get you want that 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 mentality. At least for me. All right, next question here comes from Johnson. Hi, Curtis and Nathan. My name is Johnson. I'm a huge fan from China. Wow. Uh, please excuse my bad English. It's not my uh, native mother language. This is this question that's been bothering me for a while. I like the idea of playing league and I really want to climb and get better at the game, but I just couldn't find, again, the motivation to put the games in. Sometimes I feel like one unlucky game and I'm done. Sometimes I even procrastinate or are scared to queue up. I'm platform, I'm in for Diamond 4. Anyways, I guess my question is how do I find the motivation to climb and stick into it? I appreciate you taking the um, time to read my email and good luck in future games. So you said there was an element of fear in there, did he? Mm, it, sounds, it sounds like so he, he really wants to improve, okay? Mm. He wants to get better. There's a one line that sticks out to me. I feel like one unlucky game and he gets thrown off. He's done. Mm, too fragile, isn't he? Yes. Way too fragile. Yeah. So I think that goes back to the solo queue contract. He's not understanding what his what a good journey looks like, what an actual journey of getting better at the game, losing, embracing the suck. I would say very simply, um, I think this sounds so basic, but I, but I think it's so profound is like we are so torn by the dopamine roller coaster that is solo queue with the LP ups and downs. We forget why we're on the roller coaster in the first place to improve, right? And to better ourselves each day. It seems like a classic case of focusing on the LP over the improvement. You're not going to like, and I think you said this in, in some other episodes that I really love, which is your goal isn't to get to D4. It's to become a diamond four player. It's a, it's a very important distinction to make. You want the behaviors of a diamond four player. What the decisions they make, you know. What, what, yeah. How does a diamond four player think? How do mm, they click? Mm. What decisions would they make in this situation? That's what you want. Right? Because the moment you start thinking, oh, I just want to like get to diamond four, you're like, you're trying to look for like little, little you're just going to default to think of the shortcuts, shortcuts, gimmicks. And you're going to be like, oh, I'm so close. Like, and then, you know, you just lose. Like, let's say, let's say if you get to plat one, 90 LP, you, improvement will be gone. It's just out of your brain because you're yeah. literally just thinking, I'm so close. I'm literally four hours potentially away from achieving my goal I've been working on for years. Yeah. And it, you just, you, guess what? You, those players always go back and, down. And people know this. So this is an interesting one because I'm sure we've all been in the situation where we've either played Clash um, at any rank or maybe... Uh, you're a higher ELO player in Master Plus, um, where you verse someone that's higher LP than you, higher rank than you, significantly, right? Say you're a Master player, you get popped into a, like a GM game, or or you're a GM get popped into a Chow game, or you're in a Clash game and you get popped in, you're versing a higher. Rank like say player. Diamond Diamond player. Right, say you're say you're a Plat Four and then you get popped with like a D Four or something, yeah. right? You can win that game, versus that player, but you know. Right, you know the feeling. You never really felt in control, and you felt like it could easily be out of control. And you know that they they can beat you easily next time. 
you know that feeling, right? Like, like I'm sure we've all been there before. It's like you, you, you know, you, like you beat. You know, you see those games on stream where you're watching like a really good streamer and they ju- they just beat Showmaker. <laughs> it's like Showmaker is so much better than this guy, and he might have been in this game, and you beat him fair and square. But like over the majority of games, this guy is going to is going to kick his ass. You know, you want to be on the other side of that. You want to be the guy who's going to consistently, gonna be consistently better kick these other guys' asses. And the only way to get that is get those reps in. There's no, there's no way around that. And I think that when it comes to motivation, the last thing I'll say around this is, it, yeah, I, I don't want, league should never feel like a, solo should never feel like a job, right? It should never feel like a he job. He uses the word he, he procrastinates. Think about it. Imagine procrastinating so queuing up you for can't, It's like you're procrastinating a passion. Mm-hmm. You don't. You never use procrastination in, in in the sense of a passion, do you? Like, why would you procrastinate doing something you're passionate about? I've never I've never used that word when it comes to like I'm I'm, I'm passionate about film. I'm procrastinating watching this movie. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, I wouldn't use that word. It's like it's like either I don't I genuinely don't have time for it or mm. I don't want to do it. Mm. Right. In my mind anyway. So like I think for you, dude, is like you got to realize first of all, get excited about the goal. Um, I would say, ex- like Nathan, accept that it's going to suck. There's going to be ups and downs. You're going to have painful experiences. You're going to lose. You're going to cry. You're going to be happy, whatever it might be, even though it doesn't have to be like that, but it's likely that's what your initial response is going to be. But the more games you get under your belt, the easier it's going to be. And once you start to realize and get into the, de- like the, the, the medicine is the detail, right? The, the, the details is the medicine, sorry. And you start to realize, okay, these are the areas I need to work on. And you get specific about what is it that you need to work on. That's where a lot of your motivation is going to come from. I love getting on my desk, looking at my little sticky notes to say, I need to work on, you know, my, I need to tighten up my, my, uh, my CSing. I need to tighten up looking at side lands and roaming more. I love that stuff. It gets me excited. It gets you excited, but also distracts you from all that other all bullshit, bullshit, you know, of all the patch notes, patch notes, champion pools. This champion's good. This streamer says this, this, this. It just distracts you. What's going on? My like, this is what I can improve on. Because, because it, it grounds goals, you. goals, especially like, let's say plat- platinum four to diamond four. That might look actually be a bit intimidating. So when I think about procrastination, I think about things that are just like looks really far away. But if you just look at, oh, I should be working on using my ability this way, you can go to the next game and improve on that right now. Just pick one thing. Just pick one thing. Just and pick you, one thing. But when you like that platform to diamond forward, sometimes the goal feels too lofty and you then you're not going to put in like what's yeah. an example? Let's well, if say, you're just going from plat four to plat three first, let's just get there. You know? Yeah. I always say that. We're not going, like, when I get diamond clients, I say I want to get master. Let's just get D3 first, man. If you're going to climb a thousand steps, you got to do the first two, three, four, five steps, you know? Yeah. You, just, you don't just finish that. I'm trying to think of another analogy. Uh, uh, is it easy? Like, let's say you're cleaning up after dinner, right? Mm-hmm. If it's a huge job, you're probably more likely to procrastinate, No, there right? is a, no, there's a what really good, there's a really good Kobe Bryant quote about this. Mm. Um Someone asks him, like, how does it, how do you do this workout or how do you run this much? And he says, I look down and I just I just take one step after the mm, other. Mm. Like like Kirby Bryan says, I literally look down and I just like all I'm focused on is the thing that's below me. When I look up and I look at the distance yes, and I see how far I need to go, that's that's hard. hard. That's when I get intimidated. Yeah. But I just look down, I'm looking what's directly in front of me. That's that's when I can just zone in. I'm just I just gotta do what I gotta do. 
you know, and and in my experience, platform to to die for it, it is a little, it is a lot of work, right? Yeah. I'm not going to lie, it's one, it's one walk in the park. It's a but. huge difference. Plat one to plat four is a huge difference. I would say P four to P two is relatively straightforward. Yeah, most people can get that pretty. P two P one that's P two to P one and P one to D four is where it gets quite tricky. Mm. Um, but what I would what I would really remember is that like there's it, it, it will be a lot of understanding how your champion is interacting with a lot of other champs and like just start to start to really understand the consequences of your actions and start to be curious, be insanely curious. Childlike mentality, yeah. toddler-like excitement for the game. Yeah. I love that analogy, Curtis, that, that the, the Kobe Brown yeah, one is really perfect. Good one. Yeah. Cause that's exactly how I feel. If you've ever run and you look in the distance, you're like, I don't think I can make that. But if you're sometimes you just look at the ground, you're like, Oh, holy shit. I'm halfway there already. You know, you zone out. You zone out. It's the exact same when cleaning the kitchen though. When you're, when you're, when you, you've got like a huge mess or you're on the weekend cleaning your house, your apartment, and then you just start. Yeah. And you just do one thing at a time. I put away this cup. I put away it this just plate. Snowballs. And just, it just like, before you know it, you're it's like, done. Oh, okay, it's actually not too bad now. Yeah. And you just keep going. <laughs> yeah. you know? It's true. So hopefully there's something there that you can latch onto, right? We gave him a lot of things. There's something there you can latch onto. Next question here is from Taylor. Title of this email is mid lane blind picking philosophy. <clears throat> Curtis and Nathan, I've been grinding away since joining the mid lane Academy about a month ago and a half ago, about 200 games. He's played in a month and a half. I hope those are three blocks, Mr. Taylor. The games where I struggle the most are the games where I'm blind picking, playing around D4 ELO. Currently, I play Syndra, Vega, and Fizz. My current blind pick philosophy, pick strong lane phase champion or pick roaming champions that can afford to sack lane for the benefit of other lanes. My questions are, do I continue to blind pick Syndra and keep playing the harder matchups out to get better at them, or should I find another champion to blind pick? Do I blind pick Vega instead, since Vega tends to go for more of a roam approach rather than winning through lane? Is there a champion in the current meta or an upcoming patch that you feel is strong enough to warrant blind pick in every game that would be better than previously mentioned champions? All right, I'll answer this one quickly. This I is, um, is a Curtis question. Like, dead serious, you can blind pick Fizz. You can blind pick Fizz. It, it, there is not – if you are good at Fizz and you understand your matchups, um, which you should if you're a Fizz player, you can definitely blind pick Fizz. I blind pick Fizz. Um, most – every Fizz wandering one, and they can easily get away with it, especially in Diamond. People aren't good enough at lane to shut you down as a good Fizz player in Diamond. Um, it only really gets hard, like GM plus. That's when like blind picking fizz really gets tricky. Like you um, can play a game with fizz, you just have zero options. In GM plus, yeah. you can get it versus really good laners, you can get completely shut down. But they all have to know fizz well. Um, GM like around four five hundred LP is when it starts to get hard. Uh, before that, you're fine. You're very fine. So Fizz, I would actually prefer Fizz blind pick over Syndra because Syndra into a multi-threat comp is borderline unplayable. I would not want to play Syndra. In a way, you think, and I thought this, and this is my misconception, I thought Syndra and like would be a good like blind pick, but in reality, it's not because- What was a multi-threat comp look like? Assassins, Zed, uh, Jarvan, Zed, Camille. Zed, Eve, Camille, champs like that. Um Rek'Sai and something else. Just and multiple gap closes, which is like a trillion champions in the game. All you need <laughs> is two of them and your life's going to be miserable. Yeah. So don't put yourself through that. I would even rather blind pick Vigar because Vigar can minimize very effectively. You don't need to 
to do much to be impactful. Like you can sit back and scale if if that's the case. Sindra feels bad doing that, you know, comparatively to a Viga. Viga can sit back, farm with Q, take second to resolve if really need be, and kind of go down that route. Um, so I'll take Viga or Fizz, either or completely fine. Um, Vigar is very good at, at minimizing. The, the, there's like two, I think two major counters to Vigar, which is like Syndromid and like, I think Katarina. <clears throat> so you can maybe ban Katarina if you're blind pick and then pick, pick Vigar and you're probably fine. Um, obviously like even Aurelia can be a little bit annoying, but you can generally minimize, um, or Fizz and just be a Chad, learn your matchups. That'd be my advice. Don't pick up any other champs right now in diamond. You're going to struggle even with three. Hmm. Obviously, I can't comment on those champions because I don't play those what champions. What do you do as a jungler, by the way? Uh, what I do as a jungler, my mindset is- what's your, Yeah, what's your mindset? The moment, this, is the, this is just my experience. The moment I get into the mindset of even thinking about draft, my gameplay significantly lowers. That's just from just my experience. Uh, I- I, I outside obviously this is outside your champion pool. So I do rotate Rexai and Volibear right now. Sometimes it's just a really bad Rexai game. Yep. And then also we play Volibear. Obviously I have the insane champ mastery. Yep. But if I'm literally overthinking anything outside of that, it's just you, I will play so much worse. And I'll just regret picking it. Like it's so important to learn how to play your champion in difficult games. That is how you get to the next level champ. That's how you build confidence. It is, yeah. So draft, you know, people will shove that down your throat all the time in the League of Legends community. Block out the noise. Play these if champs you, in hard I, games. I will dodge games, though, that are full AP or full AD. Like, You've talked about that. That's one thing I'd- if, if, I have a, if I have, like, quad AP, I don't want to play that game. Yeah. I'm not playing that game. Quad AP is hard. I think quad, a- quad AD is doable, I think. Quad AD is doable. I've won games Depends, before. but yeah, quad AD is, depends on the champs in the game, of course, but yep. it is doable. AP though, overstacking AP is just so hard. So, so hard. Yeah, it is. You can easily build magic resist items. Magic resist is just way easier to build, it feels like. Yeah. So there we go. That's my philosophy. Anything else for that one, Curtis? No, I think you're pretty straightforward. Right, uh, we'll do one more for this one. This is a bit of a longer one. Um, this is from White Fang or Carmen. The title of this email is learning to adapt as an overly analytical player. It's funny, we get these emails all the time. They're, ever since you made that video and we've talked about being like identifying yourself as like an analytical player intuitive, versus intuitive, yeah. people are really realizing what type of player yeah, they good. are. And, and, um, there's definitely a lot of problems with the over-analytical yeah. players. And also they leagues like in, especially, you know, there's like esports analysts and stuff like mm. that. It, it attracts a certain person mm. in terms of like the analytical side. Like people love right. the analytics and stuff, yeah. you know, of, of league. I think, it, I think league in general attracts a lot. Like it's like in Counter-Strike, you don't have that no. problem, would you? It's difficult to be an analytical type player, player in Counter-Strike. Counter because it's so obviously feel-based. Mm. And I am. But I would say that like, there's nothing wrong with being overly analytical. Mm. Like there's nothing wrong with that. You just got to be aware of it. And I would say I'm an incredibly analytical player. Right. I will say so as well for myself. But I think we, 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 we realized intuitively that it is an intuitively based game, mm. like intuition based game. Um, so as long as you're aware of it, and that's the point of that video is to get people thinking about what type they are. Maybe they're over indexing on one side and then maybe using too much of that. You can work around it. De- uh, definitely, definitely work around it. All right. So let's read his email before we go and just, you know, answering the question already. Uh, hey, uh, Nathan and Curtis, my name is Carmen. I'm a platinum to Cassiopeia one trick in North America. I have yeah. a goal of reaching diamond four by the end of the season. 
and have been following the three-block process for the better part of the past two months with great success, coming off a tilt spree in Platinum 4. I feel as though I could definitely get there by playing Cassiopeia only. However, I recently decided that I want to add Talia to my champion pool as her kit functions similarly to Cassio's in regards to zone control and sustained DPS in teamfights. And she's a bit of an easier time to summon Cassio's harder matchups like Yasuo, for example. Anything to comment on that one so far, Curtis? Continue on. In the process of picking up Talia uh, and playing 50 or so games on a, my gold smurf and in my flex games, I've started to notice one of my largest and most consistent problem areas is my inability to adapt to non-theory-based situations. I consider myself to be an extremely analytical player who loves to delve into the theory of why decisions are made and which ones are the most optimal so much that I believe is to a fault. Playing in these lower ELO games has made me a rigid play style stick out. And I'm realizing that I'm missing tons of opportunities to get leads when they theoretically shouldn't be there. For example, I believe that I have a better understanding of wave management than anyone, almost anyone in Platinum. I can consistently keep waves on my side, build large waves to create plays with my jungler, force 1v2s by freezing in lanes and against weaker opponents. However, when going to roam, it feels instinctually that I need to crash my wave before moving so I don't miss CS. And this often leads to missed opportunities where I might arrive to plays too late or miss chances where the enemy jungler or bot lane aren't respecting our mid lane jungle threat. I've often seen high elo challenger players make those unorthodox queen flip roaming attempts work out and I'm left feeling that my rigid play style is prohibiting me from becoming the best player I can in the chaotic environment that is solo queue. It's great that he's identifying that, you know, embracing the chaos in solo queue. My question for you is how can I learn when to take risks and go for these plays that contradict my laning fundamentals and increase my ability to adapt to the chaos? Uh, P.S. My rank may have gone up, but this podcast has helped my real life tenfold. Keep grinding and know that your small waves are causing tsunamis on the other side of the globe. Cheers, Carmen. Oh, this email sounds like it's a that, – that's the typical – it's the roam, isn't it? Is, isn't the roam – isn't that the, the – how many times this do you This is both in jungle as well, I'm assuming. Like, do I go for that camp Gang. or do I go to that play? Or, yeah. You know, it's the same thing. Yeah. So what I would say – Okay. It's the biggest question. When do I, how do I know when yeah. to roam? It's and when so do I big. I mean, this is the most common thing. Yeah. Don't like, I want to call out one sentence that he said, which was, I feel as though these plays are contradicting the mid lane fundamentals. No, Ooh. that's, that, that's not, I don't really understand where he's coming from with that. And that, that's not mm. true. Um, because okay. the way that I think about it from a mid lane roam, right, you can see chaos happening and you can literally weigh up. Do I, this is my perspective. Do you mm. go for this wave? That's how much. How much is a wave that's not a cannon wave in terms of gold, Curtis? I don't know. You actually don't know. I don't know. Isn't uh, it so funny? You don't know. The I don't know that? a lot of basics. I said this. All yeah. the, I said this on the, one of these. But I, I, is I, it around I, 150 I, gold? Is it? Or well, each uh, 180 is around 130 ish. 20, 100, <laughs> so 100-ish. It's around 100-ish, I think. Because it's about 20 gold each minion, right? Yeah, roughly. And six minions, right? Yeah. You know, so you think it's like, do I go for this and then maybe like lose a plate mm. or do I get my lane that's a win condition? In this specific scenario, it's because you see the heavy trade. They're not full HP yeah. with all sums. Yeah. They're half HP, pushed up, and your lane is half and you tell that you know they're going to stay. And, you know, is that is it as simple as that, right, Curtis? So, so I want to approach it a different way. Because um, I just think of it as just the cost. It's a cost. Yeah, cost analysis. I agree. Yeah. But there's a psychological thing at play here. All right. When you're very when you're very familiar with the mid lane fundamentals, and let's say you're very in his case, he's very particular about wave states. What I found with these sorts of players is that 
they they know exactly what they're going to lose on a play. So, like, let's take we got uh, what's his name? Carmen, mm. Carmen, the 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 wave expert versus uh, Jim Bob. Jim Bob, Jim Jimmy, Bob, Jim Bob 69. <laughs> okay. And he doesn't really know much about ways and how much he's going to get. He doesn't mm. understand the inherent sacrifice. He's what, what that sacrifice he's making when going for a roam. When he sees a play, potential play, Jim Bob sees a potential play in a side lane for a, a roam or whatever it might be. His eyes light up and he thinks, great kill. I'm going to go. He doesn't even have to think about what he's going to lose in midwave because he's not really considering that. And in my head, kills a kill. He wants that kill. Kills a great, right? Thumbs up, kill. Kills me, win me games. Exactly. And, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to that play, right? Whereas uh, Carmen, he then has to think to himself, well, this is what's happening in the wave state. And if I go, I know that I'm going to lose this. This is exactly what I'm going to lose. And if I don't go, I know exactly what I'm going to get. It's like a guaranteed win. Like they know it's like, it's like I could go for this in their mind, a risky investment, or I can guarantee get this amount of money and putting it in like in this sort of investment, a very stable conservative investment. And what happens psychologically, I believe is that um, they would rather like rather than getting into the specifics and the details about why that other play would be good, they 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 just think back to all the painful experiences that they've had of missed opportunity or like plays they messed up. So you're saying failed roams, failed roams, yes. And they think, I know I've missed all these. I've missed so much gold. I've missed all this shit. I don't want to have that painful experience again. Because so so their their default mechanism is I don't even want to even risk it like in their mind. They, they, and the reason they perceive it as so risky is they fail to get into the details. The way Carmen needs to approach getting better at this is purely by understanding specifically what, how much you get, what makes that roam good or bad, why it would work or why it wouldn't work. What's the likelihood of it working or not working, how much you would get from it and how that would imp- impact the game. But is he, is, is he going to do that? I mean, that, that a lot of people don't. They're not bothered to get into that. That's a really analytical approach. Yes. You get better at b- actually by being analytical. That's so do. funny because he's, he's sort of like says he's analytical on one side, he's but only he's being not. A, he's only being anal- yeah. half analytical. Half, he's, he's actually not. being emotional mm. in a weird yes, way. Yes, that's right. He's actually being emotional when it comes yeah. to the Rome specifically. He's mm. actually not being analytical. Mm. So what I would actually recommend he do next time there is one of those plays, what I say is a three-step process. Hover. Assess, execute, or decide. That's a three-step process. So when you say hover, you've like, you've like started so you, walking don't even, the lane. I don't even think if you're gonna just go. Okay. Your default response, everything in time needs to always go. Right. You always go. In that. Wait. If you pushed in the wave or the waves left. No. Okay. Don't give a shit. Okay. If there's a play in the river, my default response is go. Just start walking there. Start walking there. Yeah. In that. Two seconds while you're cl- you've clicked that direction and yep. then you pan, then you decide and then you just come back. Worst case scenario, you're, you've only missed a minion or two minions, mm. but you could have potentially got a double kill or a mm. kill. Mm. So the cost in my eyes is always worth. It's like it's like an, it's like you pay that. It's like a fee. It's like I'm going to take that, but I'll that could have won me the, the lottery. You know, I, I would rather ta- I'll take that risk. Because also, it's not just a normal lottery, is that if you don't take it and then your jungler dies and you could have saved him, you actually, it's like loss prevention as well. So what he needs to do is go through that process to hover, the assess and decide, make, have a hypothesis, decide, and then in the review, look at it and be like, well, 
in an alternate reality, if I were to like play this again, what would happen? Like if I, knowing what I know now about what happened and the way it panned out and with the beauty of hindsight, God mode, I actually probably could have reached that. And that's what would have, that's what it would have got me. There'd be so much information. <clears throat> You'd actually learn so much about a vulnerability lane, how why lanes are vulnerable. If you actually looked at these things, like, it, like how often do you fail roams nowadays? I do. I still do fail roams. Okay. Um, did they make sense after? Yeah, that makes sense after though. Okay. That makes sense. It's like, it's yeah. like, oh, okay. Yep. That makes yeah. sense. Like, like they I, had all sums. Like or I had one yesterday where I played Fizz and I went for this roam and like, they didn't need me, so mm. I overcommitted. Okay. Like, it didn't fail. I didn't die, but I didn't even make the play. They just killed them before yeah. I got there. Yeah. But it was an emotional roam. Like, I was really wanting to get out of the lane. I really wanted to make the play happen. I couldn't accept reality that I just wanted to get the kill, you know? Um, but it made sense I wasn't needed. Like, there was squishy under tower, they were low, my jungle was collapsing, it was free. All I had to do was hover, get to the blast cone, but actually not take the blast cone, actually just go back to mid lane, and I wouldn't have missed anything. So what he needs to do is actually have a bunch of painful experiences. That's what he needs to do. He needs to actually go and fail. He needs to go to like a bunch of these places and fail and realize why he's failing or make them or go and actually some of them work and we'll see why they worked. And again, and again, and again, and again. And that will actually improve your intuition over time. Naturally. You won't have to think anymore. You just can see it. I've so seen so that process of doing and then making sense of the doing is what improves the intuition. So it's an it's a half analytical process and a half intuitive or feel process. You got to connect the knowledge with the feeling. Is what you got to do. Love it. Um, yeah. So what I've noticed, I've actually noticed this as a trend, is a lot of people. They is what I call a band aid solution. Their band aid solution is don't even look, don't even attempt, don't even remotely hover mm. because. They fear those, they think back to those painful experiences they've had in the past. Foul Rome, I lose Foul Rome, I lose two waves, I lose two plates. Oh my God. But that's a very neat situation. You're versing a Yasuo that can one shot the wave. You're versing an Echo that can one shot the wave. You know, what, you know, there's a neat situation. So you learn from that. But rather than getting, slapping a band aid over the whole thing and not moving, you've got to get specific. Mm. It's sort of like, I'm going to, you know, close my eyes and like put my fingers in my ears and just pretend it's not happening or something, you know? And I'm assuming you've had clients with that jungle where rather than getting into the specifics about why they should have actually went for that gank, they'll say, ah. Sometimes they'll completely, let's say if that identified one lane as a win condition, they'll completely ignore, never look, not once, even getting that information to even know if there's an opportunity there. And, you know, sometimes even if a lane's not a win, you can help out a lane here and there. It's a a very, sometimes there'll be, it's a minimal investment. As you said, just walk there anyway, see what's up and then you know, Nathan one thing I've noticed about a skill set we have is um it feels like we are able to really beautifully jump into the analytical mode and then jump into the intuitive mode we're able to like seamlessly go between the two like very easily like without overthinking or without over or without autopiloting I think so as well and I think why this is the case mm is that we've gone play after play after play, just being curious and then making sense of it. Because because this is, if, if okay, I want to, I I rather than using us as an example, I want to use a, 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 do a dichotomy here, two, two polar opposite ends. Jim Bob 69. Let's have a pure League of Legends analyst coach that is, don't, doesn't give a shit about solo queue. So this is silver one, right? So he's a coach for like a collegiate team. Silver, goal four, right? 
He has very, very little feel for the game. Most of his knowledge is through watching VODs. He watches a shit ton of VODs. He watches, mm-hmm. Spam watches SKT, yep. whatever it might be. He watches a lot of VODs. Let's, let's name him um, Henry. Henry. Henry, the league legends coach. Okay. And then we have Max, the Echo one trick in D1 that just grinds games. He's got 2,000 Echo games. Shit ton of Echo games. He's, he knows Echo really, really well, feel-oriented to the extreme. He can't even tell you why he's doing what he's doing, basically. I mean, he, he does it well, but he doesn't really know why. So the problem with Max is that he's he won't use analytical thoughts enough because he he hasn't made sense of why certain plays work and why certain plays don't. So for him to go to the next level, he actually needs to be overly analytic to make sense of the plays. So he has one half of the puzzle. He doesn't have the other part, other half. Henry. Henry. His problem is that he has one half. He has the other half. He can break down problems, but he has no sense of feel for why and how that would feel like in the game, how your mental stack would be, the damage outputs, just like your awareness. Like he has no feel for the game. So with his journey, he's always going to be over. He's obviously over analytical. He needs to over index in the field. He needs to just spam games, but he still needs to do the same process. He still needs to go to the plays and attach the theory with a feeling. So he needs to attach the theory with a, the, the, the theory with a feeling. The other guy needs to attach a feeling with theory. They're coming with the same problem, but they have to attack it from a differing lens, but it's the same problem. You need half. It's a half, half. And what we've done, if you've done enough, if you actually have an experience and you make sense of it, understand the why, but attach, most importantly, attach it with a feeling, that's bingo. That's where your muscle memory is. That's the, that's the that, beautiful point. That's, the be- that's, it, that's where real learning is. That's solidified. That's mm. real shit right mm. there. The real shit. It's the real shit. <laughs> it's the good shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's- uh, that's greatly put, Curtis. Again, yeah. I can always just think about you asked that question so passionately because you've been asked that roaming question so many times. It's so funny because, I mean, with Gank, I have a formula now where uh, I'm just going to be coming out releasing my Rexi guide. Mm. I just don't fail Ganks anymore. Maybe it's the nature of my but champion. But I want to use a different. I, I think Ganks is not jungle Ganks. I want to give you another example of okay. game with, with junglers. Yeah. How do you know mm. whether you can. Um, whether you have time to make uh, this play happen. To get a camp before a play. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually a rough one. That's, that's a different one, that's isn't it? That's a different it? one. That's so different. So you, yeah. you might see a play you know maybe happening. happening. Yeah. Maybe. That's not have, a gank. That's like a going like a team to a skirmish, skirmish or, or counting gank. Now that, it's situational, isn't it? It's yeah. case by case. There's no formula. There's no yeah. cookie cutter formula there. That's right. Yeah. It's like you got to look at how they're posturing, how much engage the enemy has. Sorry, my formula is only for like the first like six, seven, eight minutes when it's more That's structured. That's not applicable controlled. for this. There's yeah. no formula for this stuff. No. It's adaptable. Yeah. That's right. That's a better analogy. A better example. Sorry. That's right. Cool. All right. Well, that's it for Nathan's Mailbag. Mailbag episode one. Whoa. In the books. It feels like a grind. We're at 101. We're going to start all over again. For Broken My Concept, and now we're at one again. How boring. That's exciting. Challenge got us. We're going to grind it out again. We're just noobs. All right, so let us know in the comments if you liked this format. 
And whether you do or you don't, we're going to shove it on you anyway. So <laughs> yeah, honestly, don't even bother. I'm just kidding. We love our community. We listen to you guys. We will make change. We will adapt. Just like Solo Q, just like Bruce Lee. Yeah? yeah? That's it. Flow like water. Good work, everyone. We'll see you on the rift. <laughs>